0: Hey, welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. But how many of y'all know there's
1: no name more powerful than the name of Jesus? (laughs) Amen. At his name, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are made safe. I'm so thankful for Jesus this morning. Come on, are you thankful for Jesus? Amen. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter 2 and verse 1, it says on the third day. Everybody say third. Third. Come on, everybody say third. third. It says on the third day there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. Jesus said to her, dear woman, What is that to you and to me? My time to act and be revealed has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, ceremonial washing, containing 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter of the banquet. So they took it to him, and when the head waiter tasted the water which had turned into wine, not knowing where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, he called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone else serves his best wine first, but when people have drunk freely, then he serves that which is not so good. But you kept back the good wine until now. This is the first sign of, this is the first of his signs. Everybody say signs. Attesting miracles, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory, displaying his deity and his great power openly. And his disciples believed confidently in him as a Messiah that adhered to trusted in and relied on him. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I just pray, Lord, as this word goes forth, I pray that it doesn't return void, but it accomplishes what it's meant and sent to do. Lord, I pray what the psalmist David said. He said, may my lips be like the pen of a ready writer. And I pray that today, God, that people would see that he takes a heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh, that he turns water and he makes it wine. And so, Lord, we say this, we are the clay and you are the potter. Make us who you called us to be. Mold us into your perfect glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Well look at your neighbor and tell him, you look like you've lost 20 pounds. Look at your other neighbor and say, uh, I'm sorry I didn't even think of you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? All right, six Christians. I'm going to ask it one more time, How many, who's happy to be in the house of God today, amen? Well, I tell you what, even yesterday I was with a good friend of mine who's a pastor here in town, and uh, I was with him Friday night, and he said, Preacher, what you preaching on Sunday? And I said, I don't know. And uh, because there's several things that's been just moving inside of my spirit, but uh, my son, Ketch, actually, uh, my son, Ketch, Atlee Ketch, he he actually... um, made it perfect in my spirit of what I was going to preach today. So how many of y'all thankful for your kids? How many of y'all know they can give you some insight on some things? But before I even get started with this, I know this is pretty bold of a charismatic uh, Pentecostal-type preacher to be talking about water into wine. There's some of y'all out there that are already thinking, yes, Lord, after this we're going to go have some drinks because pastor said we're talking about water into wine. But can I just be real serious with you right now? Uh, I'm not talking to you as your friend, I'm talking to you as your pastor. And I know it's going to get real quiet in here, but uh, there's many people that use this context to still live like the world. And they've used this context, I'll just be honest with you, uh, I I live in a great neighborhood and, and in this neighborhood a lot of people go to other churches, there's one particular church that they go to. And it's amazing to me, even people that are on staff here, they drink like fish. And I, I'm, I always make comments, I'm out there, and they'll all be sitting around drinking, and I'll say, well, let's, you know, we might as well have some cocaine and methamphetamines. Why not? Stop there. Because that's what the world does. I'm going to say it again, that's what the world does. And no marriage is better because of wine. No relationships are better because of wine. No businesses flourish because of wine. If you want to make them worse, go ahead. And I know it's in moderation, we can talk about all those things, and I'm already making somebody's blood pressure go through the roof, but I really don't care, because we're in a place today that people still live like the world and not by the word. In fact, I'll just go ahead and confirm this to you, it says this in Proverbs chapter 31, it not only talks about a good woman, but it says something in here, it says, it's not for kings, O Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine. Or for rulers to desire strong drink. Otherwise, they drink and forget the law and its decrees and and pervert the rights and justice of all the afflicted. Look at that. A king will drink and forget the law that it decrees. You don't say. It says, give strong drink as medicine to him who is ready to pass away and wine to him whose life is better. Whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and no longer remember his trouble. King James Version says this give drink to those whose life is damned. King James also says give drink to those who who can't bear life anymore. But can I tell you, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. You're like, well, Jesus still turned water into wine. Can I also share you scripture in Luke chapter 22, verse 18? This is Jesus speaking. and He says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is at hand. Till the kingdom of God comes. So I'm just telling you, Jesus ain't drinking, neither should you. But this ain't my message this morning. But I will tell you this. There was this woman that was driving down the road. She was swerving all over the place. This is a true story. She was swerving all over the place. And she came, uh, um, she gets pulled over by this cop. And this cop says to her, says, ma'am, you're all over the road. And she's drinking something. She says, ma'am, what is it that that is in your cup? And she said, it's water. He said, may I take from that? May I take that cup? So he grabs that cup of water, pulls it up, smells it. And went, this is not water. It's much stronger than that. She said, praise the Lord, Ossifer. He did it again. (laughs) He turned the water into wine. Uh, So unless you're performing that kind of miracle, I'm just saying we better stay away from it. Amen? Some of you are like, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Yes, it's funny. All right? You can go ahead and laugh. All right? So anyways, I want to talk to you about the signs of Jesus. How many of y'all know God's given us some signs that he's still alive today? I'm going to say that one more time. How many of y'all know he's given us some signs that he's still on the throne, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? And so yesterday we played soccer. Uh, catch played a game. And uh, anyways, afterwards we told him we'd go have a pancake at Shelby's Diner. How many of y'all been to Shelby's Diner? Now my message ain't about Shelby's Diner, but I know where all the good places are in town. And if you don't know about Shelby's Diner yet, it's over there at Tradewinds Airport. And on Friday nights they have prime rib and they have raw and the creamy horseradish and it will light you on fire and it is sent from heaven i promise you it is so good i want to go to shelby's diner right now it's pretty good stuff y'all been there oh it's so good shelby's diner all right they're not even paying me to say this but i'm telling you it's good food and you need to trust a guy that knows where good food is amen and so we're on our way there and he goes catch goes look dad there's the sign and it's a it's a um, um, it's a pilot, and he's upside down. It says Shelby's Diner, but it's 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 one of those signs that you just you know what it is. And as soon as he said that, there is something that birthed inside of my spirit. See, this talks about the first sign that Jesus performed as a miracle. This was the first one he did. Now, we know in Scripture, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know this, that he's already met with John the Baptist, and we also know that he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was tempted in all three ways as man, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But this is the first scene where he shows up to do a miracle. This is the first sign. So as I talk about a sign, as Catch told me, hey, there it is. See, if I would have pulled over and went to that sign, there's no pancakes at that sign. There's no hash browns at that sign. There's no omelet at that sign. There is no prime rib or horseradish at that sign. But what does that sign do? It points me in the direction of where I need to go, where I can get pancakes, where I can get horseradish, where I can get prime rib. See, it's the same way. Why I tell you to rejoice when somebody's healed somebody's body Why, I tell you to rejoice when somebody's brought them out of bankruptcy and now they supply all of their needs according to the riches and glory because that is a sign to you that he's still the provider. That is a sign to you that he's still the healer. It may have not happened in your life, but it's a sign to you that he's still on the throne and he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it points you in the direction of when you need it the most in your life. Come on, aren't you thankful for the sign of Jesus and the signs that he still does today? Amen. And so as I begin to think about that, we, now we go to the book of John. See, we see miracles, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we see this, that this being the first sign, pointing us in a direction. Now this picks us up in the book of John of where we are. I love the book of John. I just read through the book of Luke. Uh, it took me about a month to go through that, and I began to study all of those things. And now I went to the book of John. It's my favorite. In fact, if you're a brand-new believer, I want to encourage you to read the book of John. Because let me, let me put it in this context. There's so many things that we can, we can see behind this. You, re, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, I wrote something down here. All four complement and not contradict each other. What I love about all four Gospels is they have a, they're a different person writing it to a different group of people for a different purpose. Yeah. And as I read them every year, I see something new in them that I've never seen before. In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, we see that uh, when he's having a vision, Behold, I see a sea of glass, and I see the face of a lion, I see the face of an ox, I see the face of a man, and I see the face of an eagle. Now, all of those mean something, but as he's talking about that, he's talking about the faces of Jesus, but it's all four Gospels. See, the, the face of the lion is the face definitely of the book of Matthew because Matthew, as he is writing, he knows that his reader is Jews. He's trying to get Jews, and so he talks more about the sermon because when Jesus came, he's the king, and he's establishing a new kingdom, and he knows this, that the Jews are not necessarily interested in what he did. They're more interested in what he said, that he was coming to be the Messiah, that he would be the king of the jungle or the king of the world of a new kingdom. And so as Matthew is writing, he knows that as, as a Jew, there's certain things that he would have to say to get the interest of other Jews. Think about it, Revelation chapter 5. The second face that he sees is the face of an ox. When we get to the book of Mark, in Matthew's gospel, he talks about the lineage of where he comes from. He talks about that he comes from Boaz and Ruth and David He comes from the line of the tribe, well, it is the line of the tribe of Judah, but he comes from the tribe of Judah in the book of Matthew, but you get to the book of Mark, he doesn't care where he came from or what a lineage was, because he knows this, Mark is a Jew, but he wants to reach the Romans, and the Romans don't care about what he said, they cared about what he did, because the Romans, they were all about people that, that, that had to see something fulfilled. In fact, he is the... As the ox, he is the lowly beast of burden. And so as the, seeing the face of the ox is the book of Mark. Because he said things in the book of Mark. He didn't say in Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel, or John's gospel. He said that Jesus came to serve and not be served. The Romans needed to see him as a servant if they were going to worship him. Now we get to the book of Luke. It's the other face, the third face that, that the apostle John sees in the, in the book of Revelation. And he sees the face of a man. See, we, we celebrate Christmas all based on Luke chapter 2, right? That uh, of Jesus being born of a virgin named Mary, and he bases it all on man. But also, too, his reader, he knows that his reader is uh, a Gentile, the outcast. They're not Romans, they're not Jews, they're outcasts. Luke is also a doctor. And so he has done, he's done his whole career has been to fix people that have been broken and hurt. How many of y'all know if you're not of a group of people, you've been broken and hurt? That's why Luke's gospel talks about the good Samaritan. That's why Luke's gospel talks about uh, the ten lepers, the one that came back and thanked him. He was made whole. But then you get to the book of John. Bum, bum, bum. This is the face of the eagle. The reason it's the face of the eagle, because John is the only one who talks about the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus, you know the story of he'd been dead for three days. The eagle is the only animal that can fly, can fall out of the air from one mile. And before it hits the ground, it can pull its wings out. Everybody said that Lazarus was dead. He was fallen and fallen and fallen. But before he splatted on the ground, his wings were pulled out and he was rose from the dead because of Jesus. It's where Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. There's many things that John says that nobody else says in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He says, I'm the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's things that Jesus said, In fact, I wrote put them all down. He said, I'm the light of the world. He said, I'm the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. There's stories in the book of John you don't see anywhere else. You see water and the wine. You see Jesus healing the noble man's son, heals the lame man, walks on water, heals a blind man, feeds 5,000, raises Lazarus from the dead, the miraculous catch of fish. So Matthew sees him as the king. Mark sees him as the servant, Luke sees him as the man, but John comes in and he sees him as the son of God. You guys learn anything yet? I ain't even getting into my message, I'm just warming up. Because now we get to the book of John and he says in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What was in the beginning? I'll tell you what it was in Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and board, and darkness was upon the face of deep. And God said, let there be light. What was in the beginning? It was the voice of God. And when he said in John 1 and verse 1, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That means that he's bypassing who he came from, and now he's getting into the deity. John 1, 14 said that God became flesh, and he dwelt among us. So he is God, wrapped up in an earth suit. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, in the book of John, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, he's meeting everyone's need. Not the Romans, not the Gentile, not the Jew. Now it's to everybody. How do y'all know everybody needs to know that in the beginning God uh, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God? I mean, y'all know everybody needs to know that all things were made and came into existence through him. This is John 1, 3. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life that was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate or absorb it. Man, I love the book of John. How many of y'all know Jesus is God? He's God. So... Then after, you, after all of that is inside of my mind, then Jesus comes to a party. He comes to a wedding. If you're having a wedding coming up, invite Jesus to the wedding. <laughs> Amen. And so there's one more thing before I even get started talking about this, before I even get into verse 1, is I want to talk about the law of first mention. Will you hold my Bible? I'm, it's going to take me a while Go ahead and teach this, all right? Be ready. Uh, The law of first mention. If you studied the Bible, you know this. It's the law of first mention or the law of first fruits or the law of first. How many of y'all know first is a big deal? Because when we see something first, that means it sets precedence for everything else. Like when you go to the book of Genesis. I'm going to teach here for a second. And I might preach just a little bit because it will fire me up. But when you go to the book of Genesis, you see first mention of grace. You see the first mention of light. And when it's in a first mention, that means what it tells us there in the first time it's mentioned, it's going to be the rest of its life in all 66 books and even today. Because how many of y'all know the Word of God is alive? Right? And so when he talks about the first, let's talk about this, the law of first mention of the blood. The very first time that he talks about the blood is in Genesis chapter 4. And it's when Cain kills his brother Abel. And God speaks to him, and he tells him this. He said, the blood of your brother cries out to me. So that tells us that there is life in the blood. And then in Genesis chapter 6, it talks about the blood. It says the blood uh, of one man, it takes the blood that, that we will basically take the blood of that person that took that blood. So blood also means judgment. Then you keep reading that God said that there has to be blood... To cover the atonement of sins. Now you fast forward to the book of New Testament, but we see this: the law of first mention is this: that there is life in the blood. And I don't care how you look at it. You go through all 66 books, and now in 2023, the law of first mention tells me this: of the blood, that there is still life in the blood. In 2024, there's going to be life in the blood, because the law of first mention. Are you guys paying attention? I hope you are. The law of first mention. You know, I thought about this. The law of first mention of uh, of homosexuality. I don't know why I say these things in the second service. Maybe so I can get more haters. I don't know. But y'all listen to me. This is the word of God. The law of first mention of homosexuality is Sodom and Gomorrah. What did God do? He said, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what? Because of first mention, and now looking at the Word of God today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because of the law of first mention, you still won't inherit the kingdom of God. The law of first mention, and um, let's let's talk about this. Moses, the law first. Moses, when 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 uh, God is going to take the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, the Bible tells us this: that the first thing that that uh, Moses does is he goes before Pharaoh and he has a staff in his hand that turns into a snake. And that other God, or, or their, their pharaohs or their magicians, they have one in their hand as well. You need to know this about Egypt before I even go any further. That the number one God that they served was snakes in the land of Egypt. And so when, when Moses puts down his staff, it turns into a snake. And Pharaoh does his, and his swallows up his. The first thing that God was trying to tell these crazy Egyptian Pharaohs was this. Whatever God you try to come against my God, he will swallow up everyone that comes against me. Can I tell you what happened on the first day ended on the tenth day of every plague that came against them. How about the law of first mention of this? Is this... Uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. The first one that is mentioned is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Can I tell you a reason that he says love first? Because if you don't first walk in love, you can't walk in joy. You can't walk in peace. You can't walk in long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. It first takes the law of love. Are you hearing me this morning? Come on, hear the word of God. And so, I love it here. So this is the first miracle that Jesus does. So this is telling me of what he does here is going to set a precedence for all the miracles that Jesus does. This ain't about the physical water into wine. This is about taking something that is nothing and putting substance to it. So it says on the third day. Everybody say the third. Everybody say the third day. How many of y'all know this is the day the Lord has made? Now I'm in in John chapter 2 and verse 1. Now I'm getting to the story. Let's see, it's 1114. I can get you out of here in two hours. You ready? I'm just kidding. Blessed are the short-winded preachers, for they shall be asked to return. The Bible says right here on the third day. One more time. Everybody say third. It says, on the third day. So, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, says in Psalm 118. But also in Hosea 6-2 says, he will revive us after two days, and he will raise us up on the third day, that we may live before him. Now, there's a reason that this is happening on the third day. you got to understand something, that during this concept, during this particular time period in the earth, these Jews would celebrate a wedding for a week. Seven days long is how they, long they would do it. So they'd have the bridal shower, the, the um, bachelor party. They would have all of that. Another interesting fact is the bride is not at this particular time. Because the bride is tucked away only till the seventh day and they celebrate her. Now the groom can go see the bride, but the bride is tucked away. It's the same way with the marriage supper of the lamb. We're going to be tucked away with the bride for seven years when there's tribulation on the earth. Can I get an amen? I believe that with all my heart. But that's a whole different message for a different day. So he says the third day. Now, we, we know it as Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday. And this comes from the Greeks and the Romans. And the Romans believed in astrology and the stars and the power that came from that. So they called Saturday from Saturn's, Saturn Day. Uh, Sunday was the day of the sun. Monday was the day of the moon. So we got Monday, and that's what they did. But in the old times, they went based off creation. Well, we know that in day one, it says everything that Jesus did on day one, and it said, and it was good. And then it went to on day two, this is what Jesus did, and it was good. And then when he went to the third day, it says this is all that Jesus did, and it was good. And then everything that the Lord did, and it was good. There was a double blessing That happened on the third day. Are you hearing me this morning? So as I was thinking about that, isn't it something I believe today is the day the Lord has made. And there's something about Jesus doing his first miracle on the third day. Can I tell you there is a miracle for you and it's the third day. Come on, I believe there's a miracle for you today and it's on the third day. And so thinking about this, the third day... How many of y'all know he's the God of the third day? In Genesis chapter 22, you know the story of how Abraham is supposed to go uh, make a sacrifice of his only son Isaac to the Lord. The Bible says on the third day he provided a ram in the thicket. You know the story of Joseph. It's very good. If you like uh, the Jerry Springer show, Joseph has a great Jerry Springer show story. Of how he has a dream and his brothers come against him. They exile him to Egypt and he gets to Egypt he ends up in Potiphar's house he gets kicked out he goes down to the prison while he's in prison he interprets a dream he's now inside of Pharaoh's house and he begins he with that dream there is famine in the land and they have seven good years and he has all of this grain well his son Jacob or his father Jacob and his 10 brothers that sold him into slavery to where he is now they show up at his door and the Bible says very clearly it was the third day And it was on the third day, the guys who had rejected him and turned their back on him, he gave them barrels full of grain to send back to daddy. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God that happens on the third day? You guys still aren't impressed. I understand that. In Joshua chapter 3, there is a transition from the wilderness into the promised land, and it happened on the third day. Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days. And three nights but he came out and did the purpose of the will of God for his life all right you guys still aren't impressed I'm gonna go ahead and read this one to the Christians right here 1st Corinthians 15:4 says this and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day come on come on come on I don't care if you're a charismaniac or not you ought to be thankful for third-day experiences in your life so the reason he says this, he says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, commentary tells us this that this might be somebody that she is related to. Related to, we really don't know. But the fact that she's there means something. In verse two, it says, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. You know, as I was thinking about this. How many of y'all know Jesus showing up to a wedding, he is showing up to stamp his approval on all aspects of a wedding, not only the civil but the legal and the religious point. How many of y'all know Jesus honors the institution of weddings? So you might be out there and you say, well, you know what? We're married in the eyes of God. Listen, if Jesus showed up to a wedding, that tells me this, that the wedding is important. Amen. and You might be married under the law of Texas or whatever. I'm just telling you, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And that's what Jesus said. All right, moving on. It's hot in here. Turn on the AC. It says, when the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. They have no more wine. So, the reason of her saying this is she is... Be, because her being a host, but also her, I believe this. This is just something I shared in the first service, and I was thinking about and praying about this this morning. She says, why is she saying that? I believe she's saying that for two reasons, not only because she's a hostess there, and it's important, and they would celebrate for a week, and anybody, it was an embarrassment for anybody to run out of wine and run out of food. So not only is there a reputation on the line for that, but also, too, think about this. Think about Mary, be in the, being the shoes of Mary. She was a virgin that got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Think about her reputation that she has had all of her life, that she had said Pharisees and Sadducees of what they said against her. There's no way. In fact, in the book of John chapter 8, it says that... Um, There was an iniquity, or or, or I forget one thing that they said, that that you were born through iniquity. They're saying this to Jesus. So, basically making fun of the mother Jesus. But then we get to verse 4. Are you ready? It says, Jesus said to her, Dear woman, what is that to you and to me? Now, I don't know about the Mary, the mother of Jesus, but I do know Rhonda, the mother of Travis, that if I was to say woman, or even let's say Brandy, the wife of Travis. Let's say this. If I was to say woman, what is that to you and to me? Can I tell you this? My mother's left-handed, all right? In fact, she'd give words in church. Some of y'all remember that. Some of y'all remember my mother, All right. She'd give words in church, and it's this left hand right here. You know, I have felt it on the right side of my face before. <laughs> That's beside the fact. But he says this, my time to act and be revealed has not yet come. You know, there's lots of people that think, you know, it's just the miracles of Jesus. But, uh, you know, when, when you study this text, there's many times throughout Scripture that Jesus says, my time or my hour has not yet come. And we read in 17.1, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come to glorify your son so that your son may be glorified. So this was undeniable proof of what it was. The hour is the time that Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension The hour is the time of his irrefutable declaration of who he was, of the undeniable proof of his deity. The hour is when his earthly ministry would be finished, his appointed mission completed, his father would be glorified. So I want you to think about this. When he says, woman, Mary, mother, I better than anyone else know that you have been waiting patiently. I know better than anyone how you have been hurt. I don't understand Or, I sorry, I do understand better than any one of your situation, but it's not time to rectify everything, not quite yet. So what does this say to us as believers as we look at this particular text? Oftentimes, I think we ask the Lord to do something that will get us off the hook or make us look a little better. We ask Him to do something that will smooth our road or lighten our load. Like Mary's, our request might not sound very noble or generous, but in reality, they're self-centered. He said, Mary, what do I have to do with this? This is not the hour. This is not the time. This is not the place. The problem will be solved in your reputation. It'll be salvaged. The provision will be made. The healing will be enjoyed, but not yet. Mine hour has not yet come. How many of y'all know radical transformation will occur in your walk with the Lord when you realize He's the master and you're not? How many of y'all know radical transformation will take place when you realize He's the king and you're the subject? How many of y'all know radical transformation happens when we, you realize that He's the boss and that you're the servant? Your job is not to order Him or even to make suggestions to Him, your place is to be ready for Him and to rest in Him. Come on, are you getting something? So now we go back. John chapter 2, he says, my time has not yet come. So he says to him in verse 5, he says, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, this is where my mind went with this as I was studying this. I love the Catholics. And there's many friends that I have are Catholics. But I do want to, I always ask the Catholics, now, what is this big deal about Mary? I know she's the virgin, vir- virgin mother. But can I tell you, she doesn't have the power that Jesus has. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I want to tell the Catholics just this. Even his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Because there wasn't power in Mary. There was power in Jesus. It says, now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons. Now, I want you to think about this. How many of y'all know a stone pot... With 30 gallons that's gonna be heavy right and in this particular time water was in stone and wine was in clay and so he says I want you to take these water water pots of purification now this is what you need to understand about this particular time these stone water pots that were there they were used for the purification of the Jews so when they came into the party they would have these stone water pots and they would clean their hands, they would clean their feet, they would clean their face. In fact, there was a stone water pot that was outside of the new wedding party, of uh, the, the new bride and groom. After they would consummate the marriage, they would go in and they would clean all of their body parts from this particular water of stone. And so Jesus, or, or Mary, saying to Jesus, do whatever he ask to do, and he says, hey, take these, wa- these stone water pots. This is already telling me That Jesus didn't just cause water to become wine. He took the nasty of the nasty. He took the gross of the gross. He took the worst of the worst. Not only was it one person, but it was everybody inside of the house that was enjoying the wedding. Can I tell you about your life? Before you came to Jesus, it was gross. It was dirty. Not only the things that have been done to you, but the things that you've done to other people. Come on, you are... You are eat up with shame, guilt, condemnation because of places you've gone and people you hung around. And it wasn't not only the sins of you, but the sins of your family that came in. I want you to think about this stone, this rock that was honed out, 30 pounds. It was so heavy. And this is where people washed. It wasn't just nice water that came out of the creek or somewhere. It was the gross of the gross. And for Jesus to use that, that was a miracle in and of itself. Can I tell you, you're a walking, talking, breathing miracle if you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and come live on the inside of you. And I hope I'm I'm connecting the dots because this is the first miracle that Jesus does in the law of first mention. What he did on this first miracle on the third day, it would set precedence of what he would do for the rest of his ministry and what he's still doing today. Are you hearing me? So it says, Jesus said to the servants, that's one more thing that I want to point out here. He said to the servants, fill the water pots with water, so they lifted them up to the brim. Think about this. He doesn't go to the people of high ranking. He doesn't go to the people that have clout inside of this family. He doesn't go to people that are a part of the wedding party. He goes to the servants, the lowlifes, the ones that's been washed up, that nobody's, there's no importance, there's no value on their life, and that is exactly what Jesus does. He takes the one that doesn't have any value, and he puts value on them. Are you hearing me this morning? He takes the one that everybody said, you're washed up, you're done, there's no more that we can have of you anymore, and Christ in me, the hope of glory. I hope you're hearing it. God. Lee, get it in your heart today. That's what he does. Then he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter of the banquet. So they took it to him. We don't know when the miracle happened. We don't know that it turned this nasty water into wine as soon as they started pouring. We don't know if it happened on the first step that they took to the, to, uh, the governor of the party. We don't know if it was taking place when they put it on the table. We don't know if the miracle happened when they poured it inside of the lever. We don't know if it happened when he was going in his mouth. All we do know is that a miracle did take place. And I'm so glad that he doesn't put in there, it happened when they poured the water, or it happened when this happened, or it happened when that happened. Because lots of times we try to put a formula, if we just do this, the Lord will show up. No, 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 no. How many of y'all know that would mess up you? People in religion are messed up because they, ha- they think they ha- have got God all figured out and this is the system on how it happens. No, you just do what God says to do and you don't know how it happens, but it happens because I was obedient to the Word of God. It doesn't matter when it takes place. What matters is, is He fulfilled His Word. He sent His Word and He healed me and delivered me from all destruction. What matters is this, is I gave because he told me to give. And as I gave, he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. There's some, I hope you'll get this in your heart this morning. So the scripture goes on and it says this, and when the waiter tasted the water which had turned into wine, not knowing where it came from through the servants and had drawn the water, knew he called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone else serves his best wine first. And when people had drunk freely, then he serves that which is not so good. But you have kept back the good wine until now. The law first mentioned, the first thing that Jesus does. He takes the stone washed up nasty putrid water and what he does is they take it before the head of the governor and he says, you know, most people wait to the end or they do it at the first, but you've served the best at the last. Come on. I'll be. Listen, this is exactly what the Lord does. Think about a stone pot. What did the Bible say in the book of Ezekiel, he said, he takes my heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh. Think about how heavy your weight was on the cross, the sins that you would say, the sins that you would do in your life. Think about how heavy stone and nasty water is. And the Bible says, this law of first mention, he said, I came into this world and what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you may think that you're washed up you may think that there's no more life in you. You may think that there's no more hope for you, but I'm here to tell you in this story, he's saying this. You may have messed up. You may have done some nasty future things. You've made said some things and done some things you regret in your life, but I'm here to tell you I've saved the best for last. Come on, I've saved the best for last, and I don't care of what age you are in your life, and you feel like there's no more hope for you. I'm just here to tell you, this is a word from God that he set a precedence from the very first miracle that I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take things from water and I'm gonna turn them to wine. I'm gonna make things dirty, that were dirty and I'm gonna make them clean. I'm gonna take things that are broken and I'm gonna make them blessed. I'm gonna make things that were messed up and nobody else wanted. And I'm gonna put value on it. You know what what wine was? Wine was put in clay. Isaiah 64 says, he is the potter, and we are the clay. You know what wine means? You know what wine means? Wine in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit. Wine in the New Testament also means a new move of God. So I want you to think about this. When you get saved, you're this dirty, gross, everybody's washed, Everybody, all these people in your life that's been not only a part of your sin, but you've been a part of theirs. He takes that. He washes it, makes it a value. Now you're in clay. Think about this. Now the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is inside of this clay. And he begins to mold you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the potter and you are the clay. How many of y'all know rock is heavy? Rock is heavy. That's why you got to cast all your care on him for he cares for you. But you know, clay is pliable. It's easy to carry around. Come on, how many of y'all know the weight of your sin was paid for on the cross? The weight of your, come on, the things that you've done, your grandpappy's pappy's pappy has done. Some of y'all can't get past, preacher don't like drinking. This ain't about drinking. This is about going from death to life. Come on, this is about going from death to life. This is about going from death to life. It's a sign. (laughs) This is why when people get saved, that is the greatest sign to you and me as a believer. that he's still on the throne. I mean I thank God for miracles and people that are healed of all kinds of different things but I'm telling you the greatest sign is the law of first mention. That he took water and he turned it to wine. See what those people were doing, Jesus said this, it's not what's on the outside of a man that defiles him, it's what's on the inside. They thought that if I cleaned this up, I would be okay for the wedding feast. Jesus said, no, it's what's on the inside that gets you ready for the wedding feast. With the bridegroom. It's what's on the inside. Think about this. Now, when people, it's not on the outside of the cup that defiles man, it's on the inside. We think it's all these things we do outwardly, but really it's on the inside. What happens when you get wine on the inside of you? People are full of joy, right? There's things that you wouldn't say or do that you get 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Especially those drinking Bud Light. That's a whole different other story right there. (laughs) Oh, oh Lord. Uh, If that's you, I'm going to cast the devil out of you right now. Any Bud Light drinkers out there? No, just kidding. I'm not going to do that. All right? Trans on a can and I mean... God, forgive us. Amen? We need to ask for repentance in this land. What do people do? They say things and do things that they normally It's the same way with you. When he turned your water into wine, you should act like it. Did you get some out of the Word today? I hope you are. You did. This ain't about the water into Colt 45 or the water into Boone's Farm. It's not that. It's taking your washed up, no good, counterfeit, nobody liking life and putting value to it that everybody wants to be around. Man. And he set a precedence for the rest of his ministry. I came to seek and to save those that were lost. All who are oppressed of the enemy. Y'all keep coming. I'm going to talk about another sign that he does. Healing the noble man's son. There's a miracle in there. But I hope you saw something new in the story. This ain't about you justifying and living a life that you want to live. This is about him in salvation in sanctification in justification of what he did for us ain't that good come on let's stand to our feet I'm done preaching I'm done with every head bowed with every eye closed if you're out there and you say you know what pastor you're talking to me today you're talking right to me Maybe you're out there and at one time your life was clay. But because of choices that you've been making, you've poked it full of holes. And you've turned your back on God. Now you're not filled with that power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus living on the inside of you. And you've turned your your back on God. I believe today you repent of your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll patch those places in your life that you've been drained Of what he used to mean in your life. Or maybe you're out there. And you've never made that transition. From the stone. To the clay. You're still that person. The Bible tells us. That the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. When Jesus died on the cross. He was turning water to wine. When he was raised from the dead. He was turning water to wine. And he wants to do the same thing for you today. He wants to turn your water of your life, your regrets, your mistakes, the things that you've done. And he wants to turn them into a place of value. So if you're out there and you say, Pastor, that's me. You're preaching right to me. You're talking right to me. Either you've turned your back on God or you're not serving God at this moment. If that's you, will you pray this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. But today I believe that you can forgive me of my sins. And I ask for forgiveness, God. I believe you died, you were buried, and on the third day, you rose again. Come live in my heart, Jesus. I confess you as my Lord. From this day forward, I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. That's you today. You say, you know what? I prayed that prayer for the first time. Or you need to just be, you need a recommitment and say, you know what? I'm going to leave here as wine and not as dirty water. Who is that? Is there anybody who prayed that prayer, got things right with the Lord? Amen. I believe everybody's saved. That was an opportunity if you've ever had one. Amen. I also want to say this. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says in Mark 16, these signs will follow him who believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They'll drink of any deadly thing and will not harm them. Listen. We as a believer, there ought to be signs in your life. So I'm going to be talking about this. And I'm setting a precedence. I'm believing we'll see signs, wonders. We'll see miracles. Come on, I declare it. I prophesy it now in Jesus' name. Things you're believing God for. And those of you that may see it happen to somebody else, that is going to be a sign to you that he's still on the throne. Amen.
0: Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app